0: From the authentic soul of Bernie Siegel, MD, comes Mind Health Matters, a show that reflects Bernie's passion to reach people struggling with all of life's challenges, not just the physical ones, so that each person can live life fully with the understanding that, as Bernie reminds us, we only have today. Believing that we are all here to love one another, each in our own unique way, Bernie has crafted eternal truths and the timeless wisdom of the ages. Join Bernie as he shares his powerful journey through life while offering us special nuggets of his sacred Wisdom.
1: Welcome, everyone, to Mind Health Matters with Dr. Bernie Siegel. Um, you are listening to Dream Vision Seven Radio Network. If you tuned in for the first time, we are a Boston-based, um, fully-producing internet radio station. We're syndicated, and we have all the bells and whistles uh, where you can listen wherever you are in the world, wherever you may be, whether it's a car or you're in your home or you're traveling, you can listen to Mind Health Matters with Dr. Bernie Siegel, which is actually every Thursday and Friday. Uh, 12 a.m. and 12 p.m. Eastern Time. And if you're not familiar with Bernie, he has 17 books that he has written. Um, Love, Medicine, and Miracles. First w- was the first one and was on the New York Times best selling list for weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, he is a revered thought leader, a retired surgeon, a prolific author, and um, has he's full of meaningful. Life lessons and stories. So, Bernie, um, one of the things I wanted to see was how were your holidays and are you regrouping?
2: Well, I don't ungroup, so I can't (laughs) say I regroup. Um, How were my holidays? All right. Um, Yeah. You know, we didn't have big celebrations. Uh my wife died, you know, about eight years ago. Our our, our children are all grown up and parents and spread sure. out a bit. So, you know, we had some little get togethers uh for the holidays, but nothing really dramatic or special because everything's so spread out and everybody's doing something. Uh it's hard to get together because they're uh, separate lives now you know, between right. grandchildren and five children. It's Sometimes I don't even know what's going on. I mean, some of them live near me, and it's fine. And they're really big helps and always here and doing something for me. Um, but others, aside from electronic communication, you don't know what's happening. And it it makes me feel a little sad because I remember... With my folks and my wife's folks, you know, we made points of seeing them periodically going to their homes uh, or if they wanted to come up to us, fine. But um,
1: right.
2: I don't see that so much now. And, yeah, it would take a couple of hours uh, because I'm in Connecticut, they're in Jersey, uh, New York and Connecticut. So some have you know, a two-minute ride, and some have a two- or three-hour ride. And I can right. understand they're not zipping up here. Um, but I, I I think just saying this to all the people listening, keep in touch with your family. Give them a phone yes. call. You know, do something. Talk to them. Um, and uh, just stay a family. Uh, Yes, (laughs) I agree. And at this stage of the game, why I'm I'm laughing? I'm not being rude. Oh, I mean, I I have to tell you this whole story. We had three boys, and I told my wife, "I want a girl to take care of me when I get old. You got to become pregnant again and try again." And, you know, she looked at me like, oh, you're nuts. I'm not going to have another one and just keep trying till I have a girl. I pestered her, and she said, all right, I'll try one more time. And we did, and she learned, you're going to have twins. <laughs> and she turned to me and said, two more boys. I am not coming home from the hospital. <laughs> and I laughed, but I was worried. <laughs> and yeah. thank God. As she delivered, because the obstetrician knew what I was going through, he said loud enough for everybody to hear, what a gentleman, he let his sister out first. So Uh I knew my wife would come home with me. And um, it's really interesting how different the girl is. You know, she's always, like, taking care of things for me, even making appointments with the doctor. uh, If she thinks I should go to the doctor even though I'm a doctor and I, and I can decide. But, you know, to me, that shows how much she cares, and it's really nice to have that daughter um, Yeah. do those things.
1: Because but women are, are more, we are just more nurturing. It's, it's yeah. in our DNA.
2: Yeah, and the guys yeah. are, you know, taking care of their things and doing their things and... It's really interesting. (laughs) And just to mention one more mind-body thing, because that has always impressed me how much our mind controls our bodies. My wife was due at Christmas. And she said to me one day, I'm not going to be in the hospital at Christmas. And I knew her and her determination. So I thought, okay, so you won't be. When did she go into labor? The day after Christmas, mm-hmm.
1: she went to the
2: hospital to be delivered. But that's where, I mean, I don't think that's a coincidence, if you know what I mean. That she was right, communicating with her body, saying, I'm not going to be in the hospital on Christmas. And the fun part was all the music that was playing when we got there, that we named our daughter after Christmas carols. She's mm-hmm. named Carolyn. So, <laughs> we. we yes. uh, Use that, but it really just emphasized to me again how our mind and our body are a unit, and what you think is going to affect your body and uh, what happens to you on what day, and everything else.
1: Right, and it goes back to what you always talk about is that your mind really runs the show, whatever you say to your body, or whatever you say to the world, you know, you're creating your reality by what your mind says.
2: I I did a lot of children's surgery and basically I would hypnotize the kids, you know, with my language, what I would tell Mm -hmm. them. They had faith in their doctor and our kids used to get so mad at me. Why are you lying to your patients? Um, Because I would say to them, Oh, I lied to the kids, so they believe me, and then they don't have any problems. When I say lying, it's more like I was hypnotizing kids, you know? So I would give them positive messages, like this alcohol sponge. See, they didn't know what it was. I said, oh, this is new. You'll be so happy. I'm going to rub your skin. It'll numb it and clean it, and you won't feel any needles, and blah, blah, blah. That's a lie. (laughs) You know, that's Mm -hmm. not what this is. But the kids would all say to me, that's wonderful. Why don't the other doctors use it? Because they didn't feel <laughs> the, the needle. And um, mm-hmm. it was amazing to me how powerful the mind was. So I didn't mind lying to a child if it was a hypnotic lie. Let's put it that way. It wasn't yeah, a kid, so well,
1: we can say it's yeah. a white lie, Bernie.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, or or you did a little fib.
1: It is an old lie. Our kids
2: were disappointed in their father, the, the way oh, he treats the children. But they learned that what I'm doing is for their sake, because then it mm-hmm. would bring all exactly. our kids to the operating room and everywhere, and then they knew what was going on, That it wasn't something terrible when they just heard right. you use the word. I'm lying. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Do you have any gr- great-grandchildren yet?
2: No, we only have one nope. grandchild that's married. The the see okay. in each generation we only have one girl. We oh have really? One of the all our children has a daughter, um, and she got married about a year or so ago. Uh, mm-hmm. and I I haven't. I mean, she she's out in Jersey too, so I don't mm-hmm. know what's going on every day there. But uh, it's interesting how our family has so few. Females. Uh, I don't know yeah. if it has anything to do with genes or just chance, but uh, it's nice yeah. that uh, we at least have one e- woman in each generation.
1: Yes. I, see, our family is the opposite. We're all women with a couple mm. of boys, and that's it. Um, yeah, it's fascinating. Life yeah, is, I, I, well, I, I it's mystery. Mis- yeah, I don't know it's a if mystery. it's due to
2: genes or what does it, but... Uh, maybe some obstetrician can tell you. Or the really <laughs>
1: Well I them. know it has yeah. to do with the with the male, the father. Um mm-hmm. who run, they're actually their sperm runs the show. Uh, but that's another whole story. Right. <laughs> hey, you know what I wanted to ask you, Bernie? What, what? would your senior self say to your younger Bernie?
2: Well, what I'm trying to tell the world now is you can choose life or choose death. And I want to put another book together, and I'm going to. I don't write them. I sit down and talk them because I'm not... a. Yeah, the only C I got... At college was in creative writing, so I have a hard time when I have to sit and write because I have to stop you know i 'm thinking, but when i 'm talking, it just flows so sure. I'm going to start talking on a book choose life what's
1: this book you're or, thinking of
2: or choose death it 's about life, you know what makes life meaningful, what can keep you healthy um so choose life is living a certain life. And choosing mm-hmm. death is living a certain life. I'm not talking about putting a gun to your head. I'm talking about what do you do all day? What do you think about? What are you eating? Do you exercise? Uh, what are you doing for other people? Because um, I know I grew up with parents who gave me mottos to live by. Mm-hmm. And I learned when I started taking care of patients that they grew up with mottos to die by and right. let me give you a quote uh, of a study that was done because it impressed me when I, I, I read about this in one of the journals years ago um, the uh, what should I say the, the subjects were asked when they were in high school, did your parents love you? And then they were looked up when they were middle-aged. And the people doing this study found that if they said, no, my parents didn't love me, at least three-quarters of them had suffered a major illness in the intervening years. (laughs) If they said, yeah, my parents loved me, Only 25% had suffered a major illness in the intervening years. And that was something I was happy to see, not that I'm happy that people were sick, but because I had seen this working with all my cancer patients and other patients, what it meant to grow up with love, to feel good about yourself, you know, to take care of yourself, To get what I call mottos to live by. Because my parents had three messages. If I had a complaint, something good will come of this. Right. You know, I could go up and say, oh, I had a terrible day, everything went wrong. Something good will come of this. It's like, Mm -hmm. what are you talking about? You know, Um, but I realized they were right. Because you didn't know what a problem would lead you to. You know, it's like saying if you got a flat tire and the person who came to change, you know, stopped to give you a hand, change your tire, became one of your best friends or somebody ends up marrying or whatever. But you say, wow, Siegel's right. Some good came of that. Yes. Or else that, because there was, oh yeah, the other that when something terrible happened to you, If I came home from school and said, oh, God, I had a horrible day. Everything went wrong. My mother would be in the kitchen. She'd say, oh, God is redirecting you. Something good will come of this. It was Mm -hmm. like, ma, did you hear what I said? (laughs) I had a horrible day, you know, and it was something good will come of this. And I learned, though, that a lot of times she was right. Well, that, and the funny part helped. I always felt was that I would go up to my bedroom and she gave me that, I'm not going to help you, you know, line. Um, and I'd sit down and I'd talk to God. I'd say, my mother's no help. You've got to do something. And I would sit and talk to God, and I didn't let anybody come in. I didn't want them to think I was crazy talking to God. But uh, I always felt better, and things always seemed to work out. So I thought after mm. a while, hey, maybe my mother's right. Something good will come of this. And the last but not least, which I thought was the most important for people who wanted to enjoy their life. Uh, My father had a terrible childhood because his father was very sick with multiple things uh, uh, that the family had in Europe and then they came here with it, you know, TB and everything. And um, so he had a really rough upbringing. And... When he became ill or had problems, though, he would tell me, look, I'm not getting angry at God or people or I'll take care of myself. But he said, what I've learned is because of my troubles, that when neighbors have troubles or my, you know, business partners have troubles, I'm here to help them Mm -hmm. with their trouble." And we all have troubles and we all need to help one another. And that was his motto for life. Help Mm. everybody else. Which is beautiful. Yeah, and I was hypnotized by it. And so I did it, too. If people had trouble, Uh, you know, how can I help you? And it just... What a difference! Because I meet people who say, "No, I'm not going to waste my time or my money or my blah, 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 helping other people," um, and I thought that was so sad. That I grew up with parents who were loving people, cared about everybody. But when your parents mm-hmm. are telling you, "No, don't go over there. Don't go do that. No, it's not for you. That's their problem." Um, I thought it, it's sad because I mm-hmm. felt good. And I helped others. I knew it rewarded me, too.
1: Right, and that's that's the key. Whenever we help or assist or do something special for another person, it fills us up with love. And that's why we feel so good is because we are love. And it just reminds us
2: who we are. We are love. I mean, the people who are listening to this. I'm ninety one years of age. I know. Sounds like I'm ninety one. I'm not, you know, talking <laughs> You're right.
1: You don't, uh, Bernie. You yeah. you never know that and, you were ninety one.
2: Yeah, I mean if you ask me, that's the number. But I'm not different than I was twenty years ago talking to you on the phone. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The energy mm-hmm. and, and all the stuff that's going on. And that's why I'd like to write that book, you know, um, to talk about what do you do with your troubles, um, and I'm going to dictate it and put it together and see what happens. You see, Good. So you you're going um, to move forward on that? Yeah. yeah. Good. I'm going to record it, and I think yes. I'll get somebody to, you know, put it in a book, because my first right. book, Love, Medicine, and Miracles, see, I, I was out know. speaking like I'm doing to you. That's yeah, and you ago. know, and by the Bernie, way, it yeah. became a number one New York Times bestseller. But listen, that is right. I want to say this: that I get a C in English in college, and I get a best-selling book. Now, how did that happen? But it's really <laughs> coming from within you, because that's why I didn't write the book. I sat down with a tape recorder because people said to me, "Do you ever think of writing a book?" I said, no, I can't. I'm not a writer. And finally I thought, well, I'll type it. I mean, I'll record it. Somebody will type it. So I literally sat down for hours in front of a tape recorder and just talked and talked and talked. I didn't Mm -hmm. think of chapters or anything. It just poured out of me. And I gave it to a writer, and he made a wonderful book out of it, chapters and everything else. And it became right. a bestseller. But that's what I wanted to do again.
1: Yes. Um, that book. Love Medicine and Miracles, is a, yeah. such a special book because since you are 91, I can't tell you how many people have said to me, and it's their, their father or their mother, where they've read the book that they, their parents had, and now they're falling in love with you, Dr. Bernie, because you helped yeah. them by reading the book, and now it's their kids reading the book. Does that make yeah. sense? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, so it's generational. You know, that book is going from generation to generation to generation improving lives. Just that book alone is such a tribute to your phenomenal mind and what you've accomplished.
2: Well, let me tell you, it wasn't coming from my mind. What really triggered me off. I want to start the next book with this because I went to a workshop. See, I was hurting. I wasn't a normal doctor. I cared about people. <laughs> and when you couldn't cure somebody or they had a you know, a complication of your surgery, oh God that hurt. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean I felt the pain uh that I caused them trouble because mm-hmm. of the complications. And I don't mean any malpractice, I mean Just the things that happen to people. You operate on them. And so I learned that I've got to, you know, in a sense, present to them and empower them and give them something that most doctors didn't do. Because I saw that there was something about the patients that was special.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And so I thought... Okay, if I see people do well, and that's how we ended up starting a support group, exceptional cancer patients. Why exceptional? Because hardly anybody showed up when I sent letters out saying, Hey, let me help you live a longer, better life. Come to a meeting. And 12 women showed up. I thought, my secretary in the office, what would you do? Did you tell people if they weren't our patient, they couldn't come? She said, No. (laughs) <laughs> and I realized how amazing it was. You send yeah. out hundreds of letters, and only 12 women show up. And I mm-hmm. may add, women have better survival. We all know that. They live longer, do better. Um, because, again, they have relationships. And right. we have to think about ourselves, have a relationship with yourself. And uh, yes. don't be afraid of. It's being a year different. for
1: self Love, self-care, yeah. all of that. Well, we need to take our first and, break, Bernie. Um, so hold that thought. We'll be back in a moment. All right, Everyone, I have stay... line, I'll
2: start the new one. All right.
1: Okay. Hold it. <laughs> um, we'll be back in a moment.
3: Join Dr. Bernie Siegel on Mind Health Matters every Thursday and Friday, 12 a.m. and 12 p.m. Eastern Time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Bernie will draw from his inspirational personal journey, offering us special nuggets of his sacred wisdom weaved through his delightful stories. Listen in as Bernie reminds us to be fully engaged in life. Why are we here? How can we be happy? Questions asked from millennials to boomers, crappy to happy, sacred stories of transformational joy answers them using true stories of grit, grace, and love. James Redfield, author of The Celestine Prophecy, wrote in the foreword, This book is a seminar about emerging truths and offers grounded solutions through the art of the comeback. Dr. Bernie Siegel, a contributing author, wrote, Bodies die, but spirits and
1: consciousness
3: survive and recycle. So, grab some tissues, open your book, and prepare to cry and laugh till it heals. Crappy to Happy by Reverend
1: Ariel Patricia and Kathleen O'Keefe Cannabis. Available from Amazon, Barnes & Noble,
3: and booksellers worldwide.
4: Dr. Bernie Siegel's writings in the 12 books he's published so far reflect his passion to reach people struggling with all of life's challenges. His latest, A Book of Miracles, inspiring true stories of healing, gratitude, and love, is both riveting and belief-expanding. Bernie has produced wonderful resources for everyone, like 365 prescriptions for the soul, daily messages of inspiration, hope, and love, and faith, hope, and healing. Bernie's books also include those like Like Love, Magic, and Mud Pies, a great resource for parents, and delightful, loving stories like Buddy's Candle to help children of all ages cope with the loss of a loved one, be it a pet or a parent. To purchase Bernie's books, CDs, or DVDs, go to BernieSiegelMD.com. And while you're there, empower the mind, body, and spirit with Bernie's heartwarming articles.
3: Calling all authors. Have you been considering an audiobook? Well, look no further. Come take advantage of Dream Vision 7 Radio Network's unique in house audiobook production, which includes benefits and bonuses from our radio station. Let our knowledgeable staff guide you to create the audiobook you've always dreamed of without breaking the bank. Check out our full one-stop service from A to Z, including the ACX process. Schedule a free consultation by calling 508-226-1723. That's 508-226-1723. Or go to dreamvision7radio.com.
5: This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow.
1: And we are back. You're listening to Mind Health Matters with Dr. Bernie Siegel. Uh, I'm Deborah, and we are chatting about, actually, the life journey of Bernie and all his miraculous accomplishments and his thinking, which is really magical.
2: So you have, Bernie, uh,
1: one line that you wanted to share?
2: Yeah, there are personality patterns to survivors. Yes. This is the part that bothers me most. When you go to medical school, they don't say, we're going to treat you and teach you how to take care of people. What they do is say, oh, welcome to medical school. We're going to teach you about disease and medications. And how you can treat people. Right. That's the sick part. Mm -hmm. You don't know about people. You know about operations and pills and all kinds of things. Pharmaceuticals. Yeah, and that's the part I caught on. This has so much to do with the people and their personalities. Mm -hmm. Because I see them in the office. It's like two people... With the same disease, one gets well in a couple of weeks, the other one's sick for months. What's different? Ask them about their marriage, ask them about their job, ask them about all that. Well, there was one lady sitting next to me when I gave her my sermon, my patient. And she said, Bernie, you're a nice guy. I feel better when I'm in the office with you, but I can't take you home with me. Do so mm-hmm. I need to know how to live between office visits?
1: Mm-hmm. Those are her
2: exact words.
1: Yeah, imagine.
2: To with. How to live between office visits. I thought, wow, that can make my life meaningful. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to focus alone on the disease. It's helping people to live. And right. so I started those support groups then. And what a difference that made uh, mm. in terms of survival and everything else. And there are some people who don't want it.
1: Hey, Bernie, we were talking about the, your cancer groups. And I was asking, you know, over the years, you actually increased your numbers of women. And some of the men came as well, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, nobody was against success. If they thought you were nuts, they still let you know. But this is why I wanted to say that when I started, because again, doing so many kids, I'd say, draw a picture of yourself in the operating room, you know, and things like that. And everybody would look at me like, what do you need a drawing? What are you doing? We're going to the operating room. But I'd have a full box of crayons, so they had all colors, and the colors have meaning. Just so people know, purple is spiritual. It often referred to people who were going to die, they would put their name in a purple cloud, things like that. And uh, yellow is energy, so if the treatment was yellow running into their body, I knew they'd do well. But it, by getting them to do that, they were sharing information with you. And just one, give you one funny one, so you know why people get shook up. A boy came in for circumcision. What does he draw when I give him the page? Say, here, draw a picture before we go in the operating room. He drew big airliners. Each one looked exactly like a penis. (laughs) It was hysterical. Yeah. Every, you know, the the body of the plane looked like a penis. And Mm -hmm. uh, that converted everybody. They were laughing and they thought, okay, Siegel may be crazy, but you can't deny when you see something like that. And uh, sure <laughs> now the anesthesiologist made up a booklet. The first page said, "You will meet someone when you come in the operating room who is wearing an outfit that looks like green pajamas." Now, every page had empty you know spaces because the kids were to fill it in with crayons that they were given at the same time because the anesthesiologist saw that. I'm really learning what mood these kids are in, how they feel about it. So he made this coloring book that was like six pages, and the kids filled it in. Well, the first page said, you'll meet someone named an anesthesiologist. Um, and he's wearing an outfit looks like green pajamas. Mm-hmm. The kid drew the anesthesiologist in red. And when oh, really? the anesthesiologist brought me the booklet, said, Bernie, here's the the book he filled, you know, filled in. I said, turn to the last page. If he's saying you're a risk to him, a danger, he may die in the operating room. If he draws himself purple on the last page, I'm sending him home. I'm not operating on him. We flipped to the last page, and it wasn't, you know, purple, I'm dying, um... It was a perfectly okay color. Uh so I said, mm-hmm. all right, we can go ahead and operate. And um we did, and he was fine. And uh, mm. I said give him the drawings he show to his parents so that they know also what we felt and uh, what was happening. And uh but see Did the you drawings. do
1: those? Did you utilize those drawings all through the years? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And, uh,
2: because everybody got converted by what I would point out, interpreting the drawings. Mm-hmm. You know, when you say to a kid, you're going to wear meet somebody in the green pajamas, and he draws the person in red, what the hell's wrong with him? Right. You know, he's, it's intuitive, you know. So there Which were many people, adults as well as children, who didn't draw what was in the directions or used... You know, colors that were scary, and times I'd say, okay, you go home. We're not going to do mm-hmm. this now. Um, and other times I would show them, you don't have to worry. Everything's okay. You know
1: it. Now, would you uh, get in trouble with the hospital for canceling a surgery like that?
2: No. I mean, I guess everybody knew I was crazy, but um, <laughs> nobody ever yelled at me and said, what are you doing? Yeah. Because they were all impressed by it. They were working with me day after day. And for Mm -hmm. me to say something, uh, by then, you know, as I said, with the patients and the nurses all asking to talk to me, uh, it was because they now knew they could believe in some of my craziness. Um, I have a drawing hanging in my house. I may have mentioned it to you. um, Yes. A child who died. The mother, of course, cared about her daughter, and she was literally taking her to different countries, different places, trying to find a treatment, and it wasn't working. And finally, one day, I said to the mother, get your daughter to draw a picture for me, and let me look at it. And she brought me a picture in which there was purple, which said, I'm going to die, and her name in it. And she, I said, the other thing that I don't know why, they are like six, they, they were like candles, big candles standing on a ta- table in, with the rest of the picture. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: And I said, I don't know what this means, but the six could mean something so forth. Well, wait a minute, it was eight. I'm sorry, it was eight. There were eight of them. And um, I said to the mother, look, take her home. She's telling us she's going to die of the disease. Take her home and love her. So she has a different end to her life. The mother, okay. She took her home. Eight days later, my phone rings. Bernie, because I had given the mother the drawing to keep it home. Mm -hmm. Bernie, what? Amber woke up this morning said, Mom, it's your birthday today. I'm dying today as a gift to you to free you from all the trouble.
1: Mm. Yeah. It's just powerful.
2: Yeah, to have a kid come up with that statement. And mm. uh, it changed, obviously, how the mother dealt with it. Uh, this is her daughter's choice doing it for her, and it sustained the mother. And she brought me Mm -hmm. the drawing as a gift, so it's hanging in the hallway in our house. And uh, that's the part that really converted me, if you know what I mean. It taught me that these drawings contain the truth. You can rely on them. It's what's coming from the person and you can show them to family, other people in the hospital. Um, yeah, at first the reaction usually from doctors is, oh, he's crazy. What the hell difference does it make what the color is? Uh, But then when they saw the result, then it was no longer crazy. It was interesting, right. and they got involved in it and, uh, uh, you know, weren't afraid to ask me for help uh with the drawing. And I may add, so people listening, you have to have all colors available. I mean, you can't say I I did a drawing in green. Uh, That's the only crayon I had. And I'm supposed to interpret that. So Mm -hmm. if people had the rainbow, so to speak, you know, black and white and all the And uh, then I can interpret. And and let me say, this came from my doing a drawing for Elizabeth Kugel-Ross. I wasn't happy as a doctor. It was painful. I was suffering. I went to a workshop she was running. And um, she said to me, Bernie, draw a picture. And I drew an outdoor scene. And I couldn't believe all the questions she had. They were about my life. I mean, yeah. one was very simple, like, why is seven important to you? I said, what are you asking that for? You drew seven trees. <laughs> so that everything she asked me, I had an answer for. And I realized I could do this with my patients. And so yeah. I went back to the hospital with my crayons. And... uh You know, just the way I doubted all this craziness Elizabeth was talking about, I learned it's not crazy. And the other, I'm sure, I've talked to you about my angel, George, haven't I? Yes, you have. Yeah. And, you know, and things like that, that uh, Elizabeth saw him standing next to me and wanted to know if I was Jewish, because he's a rabbi. And... uh, I mean, you can't deny those things. That's right. So I wasn't afraid of accepting them and talking about them, uh, no matter what somebody else may say about me. You know, he's drunk, he's Mm -hmm. on drugs. Uh, Mm -hmm. But what they were saying was so true.
1: Yeah. Yes.
2: That's why a painting I did of myself in our house is entitled The High Priest. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm in a cap, mask, and gown, all covered up. If you came in my house, you wouldn't know it's a painting of me. Uh-huh. And I thought, what the hell did I write the high priest on it for? And then <laughs> I read Jung. He said, the reason monks shave their head is to uncover their spirituality. That's what it says in And I yeah. had shaved my head months before I painted that portrait. Wow. You see, that's why when you get involved in it yourself <coughs> or with people you're caring for, it becomes real. This is not crazy. This is not silly. This is real. Real stuff, and, yes. Uh, but again, as I get back to, if you're a doctor, you're not trained in all this stuff. Mm, you know, you're know, you trained for in sure. this pill is good for that disease. And if they have this cut here, take it out, blah, blah, blah. You know, everything becomes mechanical.
1: Right. And, and that's
2: the problem, say, yeah, or at least one if of them. you say to a patient, oh, and I would say to all of you, help yourself. When you have an mm-hmm. ache or a pain or a disease, say, how would I describe what I'm going through to other people? Yeah, if that's really me, powerful,
1: Bernie, yeah. and a great way to go out to our next break. So we'll be back in a moment, but that's excellent to ask ourselves. We'll be back.
3: Join Dr. Bernie Siegel on Mind Health Matters every Thursday and Friday, 12 a.m. and 12 p.m. Eastern Time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Bernie will draw from his inspirational personal journey, offering us special nuggets of his sacred wisdom weaved through his delightful stories. Listen in as Bernie reminds us to be fully engaged in life.
4: Dr. Bernie Siegel's writings in the 12 books he's published so far reflect his passion to reach people struggling with all of life's challenges. His latest, A Book of Miracles, inspiring true stories of healing, gratitude, and love, is both riveting and belief-expanding. Bernie has produced wonderful resources for everyone, like 365 prescriptions for the soul, daily messages of inspiration, hope, and love, and faith, hope, and healing. Bernie's books also include those like Like Love, Magic, and Mud Pies, a great resource for parents, and delightful, loving stories like Buddy's Candle to help children of all ages cope with the loss of a loved one, be it a pet or a parent. To purchase Bernie's books, CDs, or DVDs, go to BernieSiegelMD.com. And while you're there, empower the mind, body, and spirit with Bernie's heartwarming articles.
3: Are miracles real? Can you move from mayhem to miracles? 30 prominent authors say yes, as they share their high fives and down lows of challenges, abuse, addiction, and love. Experience hope, the magic elixir of miracles, through the personal stories of New York Times best-selling authors, James Redfield, Dr. Bernie Siegel, Sister Jenna, Reverend Temple Hayes, and many more. If you like bestsellers, chaos to clarity, and crappy to happy, you'll love crying and laughing through mayhem to miracles. Sacred Stories of Transformational Hope, available now on Amazon and in bookstores worldwide.
5: Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe. Relax and enjoy. Let life flow.
1: And we are back more with Dr. Bernie Siegel. And Bernie, uh, earlier in the show I was asking you what your senior person would say to your young Bernie. And you said to choose life. Is there anything else that you would say to your little Bernie?
2: Do what makes you happy. (laughs)
1: so you're going to be your mom
2: (laughs) yeah I I was just going to say that you already heard me say that but Mm. that's why mottos to live by that's what we need to hear from the authority figures in our life Mm. so my mother would do what makes you happy when I'd say to her I need to make a decision what should I do do what makes you happy my you're no help (laughs) because <laughs> it's hard when you're a kid, you know, to say, well, what would make me happy? And when you grow up and what, what should I be when I grow up? Well, what makes you happy? Well, how do I know what makes me happy? Do I don't want to be a banker, a lawyer, a doctor, a plumber, you know? Um, so you really have to get to know yourself. And that's so, right. so important. And, and how
1: would you do I've that? Learned,
2: let me let me say, well, that's why I'm just going to do this. Okay. Whatever people are going through who are listening to this, say to yourself, if I had to tell Bernie and Deb what I'm going through, what word would I use to express mm-hmm. that feeling? Now, you could say, I want to tell them about my marriage. It's divine. It's wonderful. Okay. You know what I mean? You got nice, positive words. Because um, I could then say to people, What's the divine thing in your life? Oh, my marriage is wonderful. All right, then they know. But what if somebody says some really negative word pressure, confusion, punishment and it's about their disease, their headache?
1: Mm-hmm. So.
2: I'm in the emergency room with one of my patients and the nurses are telling me, lower your voice, Barney, because they know I'm always <laughs> talking mm-hmm. and telling stories. And they said, there's a lady in the next room with a horrible headache and you're causing her more pain. So <laughs> I finished with my patient and went into her. I said, how would you describe your pain? Oh, it's pressure. It's terrible pressure. I said, all right, think about the pressure in your life. What's causing you pressure? And you need to relieve that pressure, to eliminate it, to change it. So let's do a meditation to relieve pressure. I didn't ask her to tell me what it was because she wasn't my patient. And I didn't want to make it personal. So we did a guided imagery about relieving pressure and I left her about twenty minutes later, one of the nurses called me and said, "Bernie, yeah, it's her marriage. You did the meditation, her pain went away, and she's going home to straighten out her marriage now hmm. that that impressed the hell out of me. I that, bet." You know, it's taking five minutes to work with her, and she's relieved of all this pain that they were going to admit her. Literally, going to admit her to the mm-hmm. hospital with. They didn't know what was going on, and the pressure was relieved. She's going to go home to talk to her husband. And yeah. oh, and another lady who had cancer. I said, "What are you going through?" And she said, "Failure." I said, "What's the failure about?" Oh, I have cancer. My body failed me. And so I helped her with imagery and change of thinking to realize she's not a failure. Her body didn't fail her. Love your body. Right. And she switched her belief system and everything straightened itself out. Mm. And See, that's the part I learned, that you can't, your body chemistry relates to feelings. Right. So when you're mad as hell, miserable, in pain, yeah, your body chemistry ain't doing too well. It's trying to defend you, but uh, when you're feeling that sick, it's hard to fight disease and heal and everything else.
1: But when mm, that's you can true.
2: Redirect and keep loving your body, then it makes a difference. Mm. And uh, that's what we all need to remember. And, you know, I'm always saying to people to get your doctor to draw a picture of themselves working as a doctor. Mm. Bring in a box of crayons and a piece of paper and say, would you please draw yourself working as a doctor? And what you'll see is rarely is there ever a patient in the picture. It's usually the mm-hmm. doctor with equipment and desks and all kinds of things, you know, in, in the office, and the operating room, anywhere. But rarely is there a patient in the picture with them. And right. uh, that was another thing that opened my mind to changing myself and helping others change, especially medical students who were on the way to becoming a doctor, and they drew pictures in which there were no patients at all. Mm. It was amazing. I mean, see, this was a shock to me, too. I mean, yeah. I, didn't expect this. I didn't know about it, so I was just learning from others who had doctors do these things. I didn't mm-hmm. hear what the results were. But, boy, once you ask them to do it, then you see what the results are. How little interchange there is between the patient and the doctor, unless the patient really speaks up and you know becomes a survivor uh, by speaking up and getting their needs met.
1: Hmm. Well, well, we only have a couple of minutes left, Bernie, and I'd like to ask you: for, in your life, would you do anything differently?
2: Boy, nothing immediately pops into my head except, yeah, I'd worry less if I knew everything I know now <laughs> again. Um, <clears throat> I'd certainly not do anything differently that I can think of. Um, mm-hmm. you no, know, my wife and I were in a past life. I mean, that didn't happen till this life. When I, I've gone into trances and... Things have said things, and, oh, brother, what's happened to me? But just to tell you, how did I meet my wife? We were both counselors at a day camp for one summer when we were at college. We didn't know each other. And you see, no coincidences, we both, she was a head counselor with the girls. I was a follow-up, bottom-level counselor with the boys because I didn't know anything about child care. And um, this happened, tell you the exact words. We were standing and watching the kids swimming in the pool, and I I said to her, her name is Barbara, I said, you know, Barbara, it's nice that this pool is open at night. They keep it heated, and if it's a cool night in the summertime or a hot night in the summertime, you come over here, take a dip, and feel good. And she said are you asking me for a date? And I wasn't. (laughs) But I thought, she's so pretty, she's not going to go out with me anyway, but I might as well tell her, yes, yes, I'm asking if you'll come out with me, you know, on a date. And she said, all right, I'll do it. And (laughs) that started our life together. That's sweet. uh, I never would have asked her to go on a date with me because she was so pretty. And even my father said, why is she going out with you? (laughs) He said, she's so pretty. Why would she go out with you?
3: Um, Yeah.
2: And, you know, but yes, we were meant to be. And that's the part that people have to understand. There's a higher level of understanding and making the right choices. And whether that's a treatment of a disease or who should I marry, um, there are no coincidences. That's Elizabeth Ross. That's right. There are no coincidences. And that's Yes, and
1: isn't is it funny how we all learn that as we go along in life? Yeah. It's um, it's really
2: priceless. Yes, and my wife was a school teacher and, uh, you know, perfect for all the kids we had and everything else. I got mm. pictures of her on my desk still. But And she died quietly in her sleep.
1: Yes, um, which was a blessing.
2: Yeah, but a shock to me. It damaged absolutely. my absolutely To walk absolutely. in and take the hand of somebody you love, and it's ice cold.
1: Mm. Oh, God. I know. I still
2: feel that pain in my chest. Yeah, so, no,
1: uh, I've been there, Bernie. Let me say
2: this. One more. I don't know how much time we have. but We only have a minute. All right, just this last mystical statement. My wife is still with me. She was born on 9-9, and all those numbers keep showing up. And what do I mean by that? Remind me, next time I'm on your show, I'll read you some things, and you'll know what Mm -hmm. I mean. But when I had to go to the hospital because of my chest pain, all the numbers added up. The numbers between the two of us—it was like she was with me, you know—in mm. the emergency room, uh, the hospital number—I I couldn't believe it. Everything was adding up to nine. And the day we married, eleven. Uh, it- and when I would show this to everybody in the hospital, they all called me crazy. You know, that's coincidence. Isn't it? But it—it would yeah, oh, it right. be a coincidence. <laughs> so. There are times I get up in the morning and say, okay, get up, open your eyes. You know, your wife is telling you. And now look at the mm. clock, and sure enough, it'll be 9 mm. 9, you know, or it'll have a 7 and 11 in it or something. And I know she's yes. saying, Bernie, get out of bed. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> anyway. Those are
1: beautiful thoughts, Bernie, and I thank you for all of them.
2: You're welcome, dear. And it's yes. possible for everyone, so clear your mind, and the impossible is possible. It'll happen for you.
1: Yes. All you have to do is believe. That's right. So, all right, everyone. Thank you for joining Bernie and I, and tune into his show every Thursday, Friday, 12 a.m. and 12 p.m., and we'll see you next time. Bye for now. God
2: bless. All right.
0: God bless you. Join us next time on Mind Health Matters with Dr. Bernie Siegel. Until then, remember, be fully engaged in life, loving every moment as your unique self, In going deep within to discover ourselves, we can also discover self-love. Then, when we let our hearts make up our minds, we connect what our bodies do so well to the power of love, we can boost our ability to grow and heal along with our self-esteem. The sense of empowerment that results from this mind-body connection is one related to self-induced healing. When you add spirit to that connection, making a mind-body-spirit connection, you nourish your soul. For more insight, go to berniesiegelmd.com.